Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios, Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and with me today, my friend Chad. How's it going, Chad? Oh, 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 oh. Merry yeah. Christmas! I'm growing out the beard. I'm working on it. I'm going to go for the Santa look. That's like half a goatee. That's not really a beard, dude. I, I hate to break well, it to you. I'm working on the I'm working on the full beard. It started out as a goatee, but okay. So, yeah, and I know you have grown a beard a couple times in the past. So yeah, but anyways, today's topic. This is going to be our Christmas episode, even though it's a, a little bit early. Though actually, my mother-in-law pointed out that Christmas is next weekend. Yes. Well, the Monday after. It's a week from Monday. Yeah, that's true, and it's like. I mean, it's like, where does the time go? It's like, it seems like, okay, December 1st, it's like, I've got plenty of time to do my Christmas shopping. And then it's like, then it's like, okay, I've gotten like three gifts. I better start getting on the ball, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I could be out Christmas shopping, but instead I'm here talking to you. I can't say much. This morning, my wife and I put in a sizable order on Amazon. Ooh. Well, so, hey, you know, hopefully it arrives. Oh, go ahead. I'll be here by Wednesday. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> saying, of... I'll be here by Wednesday. Yeah, hopefully it arrives in time so you don't have to call Amazon and yell, you know, yell and scream at some poor customer service uh, employee. At that point, you take a picture of what you're going to give them. You give them the picture and say, it's it, it'll be here in a couple of days. Yeah, and it's like. You know, it gets crazy working. Anyone who's ever worked retail or customer service around this time of year, uh, it's like I use – what's that? I've done that. Yeah. Um, I used to work uh, seasonal customer service for the North Face. And one of the things that would happen sometimes is you'd get people who were like, you know, they, they call to track their order. And it's like they deliver – they ordered it like a day or two before Christmas – and they find out that FedEx delayed the shipment or whatever, and it's not going to be there till after Christmas. And then, of course, we get people yelling at us, you ruined my Christmas. It's like, yeah, you're right. It's all my fault, personally. I called our warehouse and FedEx and told them, don't get this dude's order out in time. I want to ruin his Christmas. I think my favorite one ever is I worked for East Bay, which is a big uh, sports apparel and shoe distribution place. And uh, I got a call one year on Christmas Eve going into Christmas morning. I can't tell you if it was, you know, before or after midnight, but it was overnight Christmas Day. And they wanted to see where their order was. So I pull up the order and they had ordered it earlier in the day and paid for, for next day delivery. But there was no way it was getting there on Christmas. I'll tell you, that is the worst bit of customer dissatisfaction i ever had to deal with yep and i'm sitting there thinking you ordered it on christmas eve what were you thinking that santa would pick it up from the warehouse and drop it off but so now that we're done talking a little bit about how christmas has disappointed us in our adult lives at least working (laughs) uh at least when we were working let's uh look back at happier times back when we were kids Uh about years ago and (laughs) how many years ago was that it was years ago oh yeah you got that exactly right okay so say we're going to be talking about 
Christmas movies and Christmas specials, because I don't know about you, but let's go back to when we were kids, around the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, and one of the... there. What's that? I wasn't born until the late 70s. I don't remember the late 70s. <laughs> well, we were, we were probably... Well, we could probably remember a little bit of that. I don't know, but at least the early 80s. I was four in 1980. I was okay. four in 1980. So the early 80s. And I remember back then, you know, since this was before the days of the online guides and stuff, you know, if you wanted to find out when something was going to be on, you got your local newspaper. And remember, they used to have the TV section, which I don't yep. think they have any more. But not in, not in our local paper. Um, but see, I was spoiled as a kid because my dad had a subscription to the TV Guide. Ooh! So you could look a week ahead. Wow! <laughs> yeah, because we didn't have yeah. TV Guide. It's like I think for us, it's like Sunday. Uh, there was the TV section of the paper, and you know, so you would just um, you know, and then you could just page through, and it would show you. Uh, what was on in the evening, and then they had the daytime schedule. And I always remember looking for the Christmas specials. And even if we go beyond Christmas, you know, the Halloween specials, the, you know, Thanksgiving specials even. Because um, we are full in the holiday season right now. And and I don't know about you, but I, one of the things I always liked about this time of year when I was a kid was, look, there were certain shows that you only saw once a year. Uh, twice if they did reruns. So what were what was it like for you when you were a kid and when you were eagerly waiting these, these specials? Well, see, I was not the normal child. Well, duh. Surprise, surprise. But I actually enjoyed the old Christmas specials. I really enjoyed those those classic, you know, the movies from the 40s and 50s. That kind of stuff. And, of course, you know, you had your specials from the 60s, your Rudolph, your Christmas, uh, uh, Frosty, your, you know, Charlie Brown. Those all came out in the mid and early 60s. And all that stop animation stuff, which was, and still to this day, I love sitting down and watching that stuff. But, you know, it really, things really started to get to me, though, um, you know, in the 80s and 90s, because that's when we grew up. So. For me, a lot of those, you know, you get your, your National Lampoon stuff, your Christmas vacation. You get, um, I was watching it earlier today, Home Alone. Uh, you know, those kind of movies, too. Those are those are very good um, Christmas stories that aren't necessarily considered classics at this point. But I think at some point they will be. Yeah, because I guess that one of the reasons I always look so fondly at them is because while these specials were special, because uh, you got to remember back then, uh, home movie players uh, were still fairly expensive in the early 80s. Uh, they, wouldn't, oh, yeah. they wouldn't come down in price until like the mid to late 80s. And then, you know, of course, eventually DVD took over and now you can get them dirt cheap. And actually, I don't think there's anyone that really sells them new anymore. Um, I mean, VCRs, I know... VCRs are no longer being made. Yeah, that yeah. happened a year or two ago. The last place that made them finally said, no, we're done. Yeah, because we have one of those combo VCR DVD units, so those are really big okay. for a while. But, you know, since these home video recorders were not as common as they would be when we got a little older, 
it was, as one friend of mine put it, it was a shared experience because you knew that, you know, any of your friends that wanted to watch that program, you were all watching it together, you know, because uh, if your butt wasn't in front of the TV at 7 o'clock when the Charlie Brown Christmas special came on, you weren't seeing it, at least right, until, right. you know, they did a rerun of it. Or if you were lucky, maybe if you had a friend who did have a VCR and they were able to tape it for you. Um, so that, and, you know, it said that's why I felt they were a bit more special back then because there was something you really could anticipate. And for me going back, I'd have to say a, a lot of the more animated stuff is where I usually go. I wasn't really into some of the other movies you were talking about, like Christmas Story or Miracle on 34th Street, but I love Rankin and Bass. You know, and oh yeah, Rankin and Bass is good. I, I I don't disagree with you there at all. Yeah. So the I mean, yeah. Looking back, of course, they're you know they're dated, but it's still it they were really well written and really well produced for the time. So I guess that's where I usually go when I think about the Christmas specials. Um, maybe I usually don't go to a lot of the later stuff because since you know being older and you know, it was easier to tape them, uh, and it was easier to, you know, you could go down to your store and buy a copy of, you know, uh, let's see, try and think, what was a Christmas, well, Home Alone. I know some people consider that a Christmas movie. So, I mean, you could go down to your local department store, buy a copy of Home Alone, and watch it whenever you wanted to. Um, but let's start with, what do you think makes a Christmas movie? Because I think we had a little bit of a talk about this before where there was something like, it was either, was it you or your wife? We'll use a Christmas story as an example. It was either you or your wife doesn't really consider it a Christmas movie. Yeah. Now for me, a Christmas movie, I don't know what the actual criteria would be because I get the argument that a Christmas story is a sh- movie that happens at Christmas time. You know, um, but how is a Christmas story, which is a, a movie about a young boy who wants this certain item for Christmas and goes through all the things that he goes through to, you know, stack the deck in his favor. Yes, it shows other things happening in his life, you know, at the same time, but it's still a movie about Christmas. It begins talking about Christmas. It ends on, you know, Christmas night. To me, that's a Christmas movie. My wife says, no, no, no. That's just a story that happens at Christmas time. Okay. So you think like maybe if they talked more about uh, some of the more religious um, or your wife, because you said your wife doesn't think it's a, a Christmas movie. So maybe if they went, maybe they showed them going to a Christmas service at church that would have made it more a Christmas movie. Maybe, but I think the real problem here is my wife just doesn't like that movie. So it's just that <laughs> she has to not watch it. Um, but to me, I guess a Christmas movie is something where the main plot focuses on Christmas. Okay. Because there is definitely an argument of what is a Christmas movie versus what is a movie that happens at Christmas. Okay. And I know we're going to talk about one later, so I'm not going to bring that one up now. But to me, that's not a Christmas movie because it, yes, it happens at Christmas time, but it's not really about Christmas. Okay. So, and I, you think we could probably apply the same logic to, uh, TV shows as well, 
Like, yeah. let's take, let's say for the sake of argument, someone decides to make a sitcom based on your family. And... Oh, that is going to be one boring TV show. <laughs> what? There's not wacky antics that happen at the night household? No. Mom and dad go to work. Kids go to school. We come home. We eat dinner. We sit around, watch TV, do podcasts, and go to bed. <laughs> okay. So let's say, like, someone did take, uh, you know, just a typical American family. And okay. they did their take a some goofy situation that might happen in a sitcom. Let's say for the sake of argument that all the TVs in the house are broken except one. And of course, everyone wants to, has that one show that they want to watch. So the entire plot of the episode is each member of the family is trying to find ways to trick the, you know, someone else to giving them the remote um, and maybe dad has one of his friends call mom, uh, you know, to tell her that she has to go to the store to pick up a special Christmas gift. Or maybe, um, you know, one of the kids has the remote and dad says, well, you got to go take the garbage out before. And maybe he has the batteries for it. I don't know. I'm just making this up off the top right, of my head. Right. Um, well, I'm listening. So, but there happens to be a Christmas tree in the background and maybe he has the kid go take the garbage out and, when the you know when the kid is leaving, he grabs a remote and locks the door, and a big group of Christmas carolers comes by. So, in a situation like that, you probably would you consider that like a Christmas episode because it's using the the trappings of Christmas, or not really? It's just a a goofy family comedy that happens to happen around Christmas. Well, see now when you talk about TV shows, I think the criteria is a little different. Okay. Because they're gonna they're gonna keep you engaged for thirty minutes, forty five minutes, something like that. Whether it's a it's a thirty minute, you know, or twenty minutes to forty five minutes, depending on how long of an episode it is. Because as we all know, if you're watching it on TV, they have commercials. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in that case, I think if the people putting it out present it as a Christmas episode. Um, one of my favorite TV series of all times, and I've watched it through too many times to even really admit to, is that 70s show. And each season, they have a Christmas a Christmas show. And some seasons, it's very much a Christmas show. Like the uh, season I happen to be watching right now, a couple days ago, was the Christmas episode. And it's where, you know, Eric, the, the main character of the show, his mother signs him up to do the the church um, Christmas uh, pageant. You know, he's going to direct and do the Christmas pageant. And the entire episode is focused around that Christmas pageant. So, yes, that in, in that case, that is a Christmas episode. Uh, there's another episode where, like, the sister comes home from college and brings a friend with her. And they spend the entire time, Eric's trying to, you know, get in good with the, the sister's friend. Is that really a Christmas episode? Probably not. But in the same token, they give it to you as their Christmas episode for that year. And I think when it comes, I think there's a little more leniency when it comes to a 20 minute TV show versus a two or two and a half hour movie. So I think it really has to do with the way it's packaged and presented to you. Because I think if 
the opening credits open and they're playing Jingle Bells along with the normal theme song. We've already told you this is a Christmas episode. And so that's in your head. So whether or not they spend a lot of time on the Christmas portion of it or a lot of time on the silliness factor of it all, I think it's still a Christmas episode. But I think that I think that lenient um, idea of that only works for TV shows, though. Okay. And I think you do make a good point there. Because I, th- I think nowadays with Christmas, of course, there's a couple ways you can approach it. You know, yeah, there's the religious, you know, the Christian holiday, birth of Jesus, the nativity, three wise men. But I think that if you do have a show or a movie that maybe isn't doing the religious aspect of it, but is focusing on some of the more, um, you know, secular ones, like getting together with family, um, you know, the gift giving, the generosity towards others. I think that can still make a good Christmas episode, even if it's not taking the religious route. And, uh, you know, again, when you are talking about, um, you know, TV series, that's where it can be a little tricky because if you are making a TV series that is very religious, it's going to limit what network is probably going to show it. Yeah, you might find it on some of the religious networks, but your, you know, your local ABC, NBC, CBS might not pick it, choose to pick up a show like that. Right. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know so if now, that makes sense, but. It, it does, but I'm going to throw you a curveball here because I just had a thought as you were talking. What about an episode like, are you familiar with Seinfeld at all? A little. I've seen an episode here or there, but it's not a show that I've invested a great deal of time into. Okay, so they did this episode, and I believe it was it was presented as a Christmas episode, but they called it Festivus. Oh, are yes, you, I remember that. that. Okay, so now <laughs> we're talking about this Festivus thing that, you know, it happens at Christmas, and they do all this different stuff. That's basically Christmas, but they call it Festivus. Is that a Christmas episode? I would call it kind of an anti-Christmas episode where, I mean, yeah, it's kind of the same ideas, but um, because for those who maybe haven't seen it, basically Festivus, okay, what was it? Instead of the tree, they had like just a, uh, like a, was it a car, aluminum cardboard tube or something? Yeah, it was it was really weird. And it was like the airing I mean, like of the grievances. All Seinfeld, it was really weird. You know, was yeah. that? Yeah. And there was like the airing of the grievances where the uh family they um you know, they they talk about how the other family members have disappointed each other over the year. But I would say right, that right. well, maybe not anti-Christmas, but a parody of Christmas. Okay, fair enough. So, I know my my in-laws we celebrate Festivus. <laughs> We, we don't. My in-laws, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. Okay. So, <laughs> moving on. Um, so, we've talked a little bit about, okay, Christmas movies, Christmas TV specials. What makes them a Christmas movie or Christmas special? So, let's talk a little bit about some of the Christmas shows and movies that we've really, that have stuck with us over the years. And I know both of us, we showed each other our list of the the things we want to talk about, and I, I know we do have some common ground. So, where should we start? Um, what would you say is? How about this? What would you say is probably one of the first Christmas specials that you remember? Ooh, that would probably have to be like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I would think 
that one or Frosty the Snowman. I'm not a yep. fan of the Frosty movie. Just it for me, it doesn't do much. But Rudolph, I love Rudolph. I actually own Rudolph on DVD. No because, shame in that. No, absolutely not. And I did that because when my daughters were little, you know, it was like we had a we had a VHS tape at that time. But it was really hard with the way that my wife's schedule and my schedule crossed for us all to sit down and watch these specials. So we just went out and we bought a bunch of them and said, okay, you know, this is what we used to do as kids. And, okay, everybody's home tonight, so let's watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Let's watch, um, you know, Frosty the Snowman, Let you know, these different ones. And we'd sit down with the girls and we'd watch them. And, of course, when I switched over from VHS to, to DVD, the girls were a little bit older. I didn't do a lot of them, but I did keep a root. I did get a Rudolph one. I mean, that I, I had to have that one um, because that for me is not only time with my kids, but it's nostalgia. I mean, that was the one you, I remember coming home. It's like, it's Thursday night. Rudolph's on tonight, you know, and you'd sit down to breakfast or to supper at five o'clock or six o'clock. You'd be like, Rudolph's on in an hour, you know, and you got all excited for it, you know, and mom would make popcorn and, Dad would sit down with us, which he rarely did. You know, my dad was, he worked a lot. He worked swing shifts. So, you know, dad being home was always a nice thing. We'd all sit down as a family and we'd watch Rudolph. Now, granted, it was on TV for, what, a half hour, 45 minutes? I can't remember exactly how long it is. Probably closer to a half hour. Yeah, it was probably a half hour special. And then, you know, a Charlie Brown Christmas would come on after that or... Frosty would come out after that, or the one I can't remember the name of it, but the one uh, uh, a year without Christmas is that the one with the Heatmeister? Year without a Santa Claus. Yeah, a year without a Santa Claus. That one would come on. The Heatmeister scared the crap out of me when I was a little kid. How can you not like? I mean, well, okay, when you're a kid, yeah, I can see how Heatmeister might be a might be a little scary, but. Come on, you you gotta love the song, you know. I'm Mister Heat Miser, and of course Freeze Miser. Um, I have to yep. say I like Freeze Miser better because uh, one of my favorite lines in Year Without a Santa Claus is, uh, you know, he's like he asks, "So how's it? So Mrs. C, how's the hubby?" And she's like, "Oh, not too well, Snowy. He's got a bad cold. Oh, that's too bad. You should have brought him to me. I could have given him a good one." <laughs> but I know we've got um we've got a DVD collection of a bunch of the you know the Rankin and Bass ones. Um Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that's the one I always remember. I didn't actually see Year Without a Santa Claus until after I got married cuz Oh really? I, yeah, I didn't know it existed. Um I never saw that one as a kid. But the the cuz the plot about that one is that Santa's afraid that kids aren't believing in him anymore. So he's thinking of just, you know, hanging up, up. The, hanging up the suit. Yep. Hanging up the suit and boots. And so what Mrs. Claus is trying to do is she goes out with what are the elves, Dingle and Kringle. And yeah, that sounds right. And one of the, the, the deer and they're trying to, uh, they're trying to get, uh, the people to believe in Christmas again. And of course they meet a kid who, you know, he still does believe in Santa, um, so that I always like that one. It's really cute. Uh, as I said, especially the the heat miser and the freeze miser segments. I just love those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and along with that one, I gotta I gotta mention another cartoon, and that's how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yep. So I know I mean, that was another one. Of those, 
Boris, I think Boris Karloff does the voice of the uh, uh, of the Grinch, and he also does the the narration. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, yeah, and it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, it's I think that one's a Doctor Seuss. Correct. Yes. Okay. So that was a Doctor Seuss movie, but it's just it's one of those two. As a kid, it would send chills down your spine. You know, the Grinch, he was this big mean guy, you know, and and I remember always watching. And at the very end, his heart resizes, kind of breaks the little uh, X-ray machine that yeah. had over his heart. I was just like, "Yay, Mr. Grinch!" <laughs> See, and uh, okay, I'm looking at the end. Yeah, Boris Karloff was a narrator and the voice of the Grinch. Um, and I actually liked both versions because. You know, of course, there's the classic cartoon one, but then Jim Carrey did the live action version, which I have to say, I I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would, because generally when they take cartoons and put them into live action, it doesn't always translate very well. Correct. Uh, you know, whether it usually it's visually. Um, you know, because it is a challenge, I think, when you are taking a cartoon character and putting it into, you know, real life. But I thought Jim Carrey pulled it off perfectly. But then again, the guy is like a living cartoon character. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy that one. In fact, so do my daughters. It's always an argument. We'll say, let's watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I've got them both on DVD. And one of the girls will undoubtedly say, which one? And I always go, well, that's up to you guys. And at the same time, I get one that says cartoon and one that says live. And so what we usually end up doing is we watch the 20-minute cartoon one, followed by the hour and a half live action movie, which I'm okay with. Yeah. I, I can deal with that. See, and another one of those more obscure ones that I don't know if I'm the only one that remembers it or not. Do you remember the California Raisins Christmas special? I saw that on your list, and I wish I had seen it, but I can honestly say I have never seen that one. You could probably YouTube it. Um, the California Raisins were a marketing gimmick back in the, I think they went up until like even the early 90s, but... Might have been. It, it was for uh, California Raisins, yep. and then didn't Hardee's use them also as yes. spokespeople for a while? I remember they used to have the kids meal where you could get the little... Uh, California Raisins figures, but, and I used to have a couple of them, uh, basically it was Claymation. And the, uh, they made a video of them, and this was probably the most well-known one. Uh, what is it, Marvin Gaye, who did uh, Heard It Through the Grapevine? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they did a video for that, but the California Raisins Christmas special, it wasn't all the California Raisins. But it was different Christmas songs done with these claymation figures. The one that I always remember is the the We Three Kings. Um, okay. Now all the music was done in that Motown style, and so I, like I said, I'm sure if you go to YouTube and look up California Raisins Christmas Special, you'll probably find it. And I'll I'll have to do that. Yeah. You know Christmas, as long as we're talking about Christmas specials, I never saw. I have to ask you. Were you one of the unfortunate few that saw the Star Wars Christmas? I've seen people do videos about it, um, the Nostalgia Critic, but I haven't seen the actual movie 
in its entirety. Supposedly, it doesn't exist anymore. In George Lucas's mind, it doesn't exist, yes. And the only notable thing about it is they had those cheesy animation segments that introduced Boba Fett. All I know is I was doing some research for another podcast, and do you know that John Bon Jovi actually sang a song in that? I did not know. He was famous. Yeah, it was before he was famous, but he was like 17 or 18 years old at the time, but he did one of the musical numbers in there. Oh, cool. Yeah, because um, I would see it if I had the chance. I mean, I heard it's horribly bad I, and cheesy. Uh, where I would have to watch it for the cheese factor. What's that? I said I'd have to watch it for the cheese factor. Yeah, and it is Star I mean, I'm Wars. From Wisconsin, we're from Wisconsin. we got to do stuff for cheese, right? Exactly, and because uh, it's like they were trying to get Chewbacca back to his home planet so he could celebrate, what do they call it, like Life Day? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, that one I haven't seen, but I'm, like I said, I could probably, I'm sure if I YouTube it, it's probably out there, uh, provided, of course, George Lucas hasn't... Uh, ordered everyone to take it down. I I have YouTubed it on several occasions, and I've never been able to find it. Yeah, the closest I came is, as I said, the Nostalgia Critic. Uh, He did an episode on it, but I don't know, who knows, Disney probably made him take it down. Uh, Like I said, who knows nowadays. But um, So yeah, like like I said, California Christmas uh, special, and that one was always one of my favorites. Um, The Garfield Christmas I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's do it this way. Let me ask you a question. 42. (laughs) Incorrect answer this time. 42 is never the incorrect answer. It is in this case because you haven't heard the question yet. What gave you the answer. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Of all time? If if all other if all other Christmas movies are to disappear except the one you choose, which one is it? Well, that depends. Are we talking about are Christmas specials included, like cartoon stuff, or does it have to be like a full movie? Anything? Anything. Okay. Honestly, I would have to say my all time favorite is probably uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay. And is a good one. I think one of the reasons I like that one so much is we were talking before how like Christmas media can operate at you know multiple levels. You know, yeah, you can do the the religious, um, you know, Christian holiday aspect of it, or you can do the more secular aspects. And one of the things I like about the Charlie Brown Christmas special, it it hits on both. So it's one of those things where I think it's. You know, if you are religious and you do celebrate, um, well, let me rephrase that. If you're Christian and you do celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday, it's got that part for you. And even if you, you know, you aren't Christian or you aren't particularly religious, you can still enjoy other parts of it. Like I, you know, I always like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, you know, the sad little, uh, um, and the thing I like about it is that that ending scene where it, they all come together. Um, where, you know, the, it's like after the play, Charlie Brown gets frustrated and he, he's walking away and it's like, well, maybe the kids are gathering around. It's like, maybe the tree isn't so bad. It just needed. And they, they fix it up and they all get together and start singing Christmas songs. So 
that has always got to be my favorite. That's probably one of my favorites. You know, I got to say, I got to say the thing about the Charlie Brown Christmas special that surprises me is that it's still on TV. And I say that because of that religious portion where Linus spends, what, five minutes solid reciting the Gospel of Luke? It's not hidden or it's not subliminal in any way. I mean, he's on stage in this play, you know, spouting back the, the Gospel of Luke. And while, yes, he does spend some time quoting the Bible, the reason I think it doesn't detract from the special is because at the end of his monologue, Linus just says, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, and quietly walks off the stage. He doesn't go, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, and if you don't celebrate Christmas, or if you celebrate something else, then you are a terrible, awful, pathetic human being. So while, yes, they do have that Bible message in there, they're not hitting you over the head with it. So that's just my that's just my personal opinion on the why I think the popularity of the Charlie Brown Christmas special has endured over the years. So then coming off of your favorite Christmas movie, which is Charlie Brown Christmas, if somebody gave me that ultimatum, I would offer up like a leg or an arm so I could have two of them. Okay. Because there are they're my two favorite movies, they're well, old Chad. Ones. I'm not going to make you give up an arm and a leg, but you can go ahead and name your two favorite Christmas movies. Okay, so they're, they're actually, they were released really close together. It's A Wonderful Life, which was released in 1946, and Miracle on 34th Street, which was released in 1947. Now, before I get into this too deeply, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it once, and then I'll leave it alone, but I have to say it. If you watch the colored, colorized versions of these... You're a heathen, and you should be put to the sword. I'm sorry, but that's just that's just me. I, I okay. Think, so, whew. yeah, because I, I think I've seen. I know I've seen a black, the black and white version of, um, of a uh, miracle of what was a not miracle of a wonderful life. Fourth Street, or it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. I have seen. I've only seen um, Miracle on 34th Street once or twice, and I think it was the colorized version. But I do agree. I think with It's a Wonderful Life, the fact that it is black and white does add to the story or the, you know, the, it adds to the narrative aspect of it. Right. Um, granted, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but yeah, I agree with you. That's one of those movies that should be watched in black and white. So It's a Wonderful Life uh, starred. Uh... Jimmy Stewart and uh, Donna, no, yeah, Donna, no, not Donna, somebody Day, crap, I can't think of her name. But anyway, I've got the internet right at the touch of my fingers, so there go you on. Go. So, uh, Jimmy Stewart, he plays a guy who is, you know, he has an issue, he's having problems with his savings and loan, uh, where... He's got his uncle loses like $8,000. Now, think of the time. 1946, eight grand is a lot of money. So he misplaces $1,000, and the bad guy in town, uh, who's actually played by... Um, it's it's oh, loading up on the Wikipedia. So, okay. That's okay. Donna Reed. Donna Reed, and then the, the uh, Barrymore, who played um, 
uh, Potter in the movie. What's that? Lionel Barrymore. Yeah, Lionel Barrymore. He um, actually owns most of the town, other than what this little savings and loan has helped people build their houses, their businesses, that kind of stuff. So he's always trying to get his fingers in and get the savings and loan. Well, this whole story is uh, Jimmy Stewart's character finds out about this missing money. He's uh, There's a warrant out for his arrest. He's going to commit suicide. He actually is standing on a bridge in the middle of winter looking down. He's ready to commit suicide, and an angel falls from heaven into the water. And, of course, because he is a good person, he doesn't even think about it. He jumps in the river after this guy and saves him. So in the process, in a way, the angel has saved him from committing suicide. And his big thing is that he wishes he had never been born, because if he hadn't been born, then this problem would have never happened, and all these things wouldn't be um, issues now. So the angel grants him his wish. He's never been born. He goes back, and he goes through all these different things. Like, his brother didn't become a war hero because he died in the pond when they were little kids because he wasn't there to pull him out of the, you know, when the ice broke. And his and all these different things. And, of course, through all these different trials and tribulations that he's finding out that things aren't as good as if he was there. Uh, he finally asks the angel to, you know, bring him back to life. He comes back to life. And, of course, he goes home and all these people from the town find out he's in trouble. And the money just starts pouring in and they pay for the eight grand plus, you know. And it's just a story of redemption, really. But, of course, it, it happens around Christmas, and, uh, you know, there's that classic line that, you know, teacher always says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So, um, and that, of course, was said by Zuzu Petals, or Zuzu, their, their daughter Zuzu. Um, but in one part of the movie, uh, Zuzu had a rose, and the petals were falling off, you know, and he pretended to put the petals back on, and he slipped them in his pocket. And at one point, he went to find Zuzu's petals and they weren't there because he had never been born. So of course, Zuzu had never been born, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just a very good story of redemption. It's a good story of, you know, no matter how bad your life seems, it's really not that bad. Yeah. And I think, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. And I, I think one of the reasons that that movie has also endured in popularity, I mean, it is a good story. It's a good movie. But I think it addresses a question that many people ask, you know, when if you are maybe going through a dark time in your life where you do wish you never were born. I know I've had times in my life when I've been like that. And, you know, in this case here, because it's a movie and, you know, the magic of Hollywood, the guy actually gets, you know, to see that, okay, if you were never around, you know, this is, you know, as you said, his brother would have died and you know, this person wouldn't have gotten to where they were because you touched their lives in a positive way. So that's one of the things that I think it, you know, makes it such a popular movie. The only problem with that movie, in the end, the bad guy still has the money, and I don't think he gets punished, does he? No, no. Yeah. Because it's 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 almost like real life. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but it's uh, like, so wait, wait a second, anyway. Chad, I just had a thought. So Uh-oh. basically, this movie is like the precursor to a GoFundMe campaign. <laughs> huh? Huh? Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> so anyways, go on. 
The other movie I wanted to talk about is Miracle on 34th Street. And now this is a very secular movie. Unlike It's a Wonderful Life where religion is touched on quite a bit. Miracle on 34th Street is all about belief in Santa Claus. It's, um, it, it's the Santa Claus is um, a, an older man who comes to this town, you know, and he is his, his name is Nicholas, you know, St. Nicholas. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, Chris Kringle. They, they completely take the Christmas or the Saint port of it out. He's Chris Kringle. Um, he comes and he starts working at one of these, uh, one of the big, I think it was Macy's. He starts working at Macy's as the Santa Claus. And at first they're like, he, they think he's crazy because he'll say, oh, well, Macy's doesn't have this, but this place, you know, this other, uh, you know, Montgomery Ward has it for this amount of price, you know. And at first they're like, oh my God, this old guy's crazy. We got to get him out of there. But then the people kind of were like, you know, this makes sense. This is the best thing. You know, a solid Macy customer, you know. So anyway, it goes to this whole story about how he's trying to convince this little girl and her mother that he's Santa Claus and that, you know, there is worth believing in things other than the physical that you can touch. You know, it's it's okay to use your imagination. It's okay to do, you know, that next thing. It's okay for this little girl to pretend to be a monkey, even though she's not one, you know, and most of all, to believe in Santa Claus. And it gets to the point where, first of all, Santa ends up in Bellevue because he hit somebody with his walking stick. And then they work to get him out of that. And it turns into a hearing because the one guy or the the few people want to get him institutionalized because he's a danger to society. And the other people are like, no, he shouldn't be because he really is who he says he is. And it gets to the point where they get a the, the state courts of new york to say yes he is santa claus or he's chris kringle and of course the little girl believes and the mother believes and there's a love story on the side that really has nothing to do with that portion of the story but it's it's another one of these it's just a beautiful story about you know imagination about being able to believe in something beyond yourself and i think that's why both of these movies very much touch a chord in me you know, um, and it should in most gamers, because let's be honest, how many of us live within ourselves most of the time? <laughs> See, and the thing about Miracle on 34th Street, that movie hasn't didn't really stick with me. It it never really I don't know. I just found it to be not as memorable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you ask me to choose between uh, It's a Wonderful Life or miracle on 34th street i would go with it's a wonderful life i don't know just like i said for some reason miracle on 34th street just seemed kind of bland to me you know and my my daughters have that same argument and and i will be now that i've said you should never watch these you know at penalty of you know death by sword i own them both in color as well because my girls won't sit down because they don't believe <gasps> Heathen! Movies. they don't believe Black and white movies are worth watching. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, that's something that I know one friend of mine uh, said that his son, he doesn't, he won't watch black and white movies. And I admit, when I was younger, I had a hard time watching black and white movies. But I think as you get older, you tend to appreciate it not, you know, because you look past the fact that it's black and white and you kind of learn to see how they really use the lighting to create the mood um because Mm -hmm. since 
I mean, I don't really know much about filmmaking, but, you know, yeah, if you're going from black and white or color, there's different things you have to keep in mind. And there's going to be different cinematic techniques you have to use. But but I won't judge you for liking uh, Miracle on 34th Street in color because I never really got much into that movie in the first place. No, I like I prefer them both in black and white. But I do. Th- I think one of my favorite things from Miracle on 34th Street, and it really has nothing to do with the story other than at one point, the people at Macy's ask for his employment card, you know, and you see the re- the uh, the receptionist. She takes it out of their Rolodex and she's got holds it up. You know and how they do that in the old black and white co- videos where they would have a picture or just a close up of whatever you're supposed to be reading. Yeah. And on there, it's like name, Chris Kringle, um, birthplace, North Pole. But my favorite thing is age, and it says, as old as my tongue and a few years older than my teeth. <laughs> so, and I have to say that when you do talk, because uh, one, you know, whether you believe in Santa Claus or something, it is a major part in, you know, other holiday films, which brings me to Polar Express. Uh, one okay. of the more, it's not, I mean, what about, when was that movie? It was like 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, it's got to be. It had to be early 2000s. Yeah, because the computer animation. But And again, I liked that one. I mean, it has Tom Hanks in there. So, you know, you got to like it for that reason. And definitely better than Mazes and Monsters. I could take a really... No, never mind. I could make something better than Mazes and Monsters. I think I could... I think just about anyone could make a better movie than Mazes and Monsters. At least write a better story, but... um, Well, I I do own it because it's Tom Hanks. Yes. And, again, I like... Did you ever see Polar Express? I did. And, honestly, to me, it was was okay. It wasn't a... It wasn't a... When they when they were you know talking about it and they were pushing it as a movie and stuff, it made they made it look so like it was going to be just this thing that would change your life, and it just didn't do that for me. Yeah. We took the girls to see it in the theater, and we went. I think my wife really likes it. I know one of my daughters, and I can't remember which one of them really loves it. But for me, it was just kind of like it's okay. I I won't not watch it. You know, if they want to sit down and watch Polar Express, I'll sit down and watch it. But it didn't really do a do a whole lot for me. Okay. I mean, and I like it. And I, I, I mean, I like the ending scene where, you know, he gets that bell and it's like, you know, cause he believes in Santa Claus. It's like, you know, while one of his parents, since they don't believe in Santa Claus, they pick it up, you know, they ring it. Oh, it doesn't work. But him and his little sister, they ring it and they can hear it. So I would have to say though, if we are going to talk about, Christmas movies that have really stayed with you, even if it's just for one scene, for me, it would be Disney's Christmas Carol. Now, I know before we recorded, we talked a little bit about Christmas Carol, how there's been live action versions and there's, you know, the, of course, been animated versions, but uh, Christmas Carol, uh, that one takes Scrooge McDuck and they put him as um, Ebenezer Scrooge, which of course is very fitting. Um, but the one scene that always, it scared the pants off of me when I was a kid. Do you remember seeing that movie with the, uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come? I, I can't specifically remember the Disney version of that. Um, 
was it was it like the uh the the the, the death character yeah scrooge mcduck is one of the daffy duck type characters you know the duck but the thing that stuck with me about that scene is how frightening it was for a christmas movie <laughs> cuz um of course in the story um you know he finds out that you know ebenezer scrooge finds out that he's basically going to die you know alone and in the disney movie they have i think they call him black pete um he he was pretty much one of the nemesises for goofy and you know he's dressed in a devil costume and they're okay. in this graveyard and there's this big yep. deep grave that's got the coffin and the only person there to mourn him was uh uh what was Cratchit um his his employee Bob Cratchit was it I thought Bob Marley was the no Bob Marley was Bob the, Marley was his was his partner yeah but you know Cratchit is the only one there to mourn him and he's like um you know he's like where is everyone no one's mourning for me and uh you know the 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 devil guy's like you know Ebenezer Scrooge the richest man in the cemetery and he pushes him into the grave and he's grabbing on this root his the coffin opens and fire starts rising up from it so you know it kind and that's where he's like I can change I can change so that scene has always stuck with me and I don't remember how they how they did that in the live versions I've seen, but I think it really worked well for the Disney because, you know, with the cartoon, yeah, I think it it works better doing the whole deep grave with the fire on the bottom. Right, right. I think my my favorite version of that is probably the 1951 version, which is the one everybody knows. Um, and the way they do that scene to me was always really creepy because you have death. You know, he's standing there, he's got the black robes, he's got the bony hands, the whole thing, and he never speaks. You know, it's just um, Ebenezer Scrooge, and I want to say the guy's name was like Everett C. Scott or something like that. I can't remember if that's correct or not, but he's like, you know, he's asking all these questions, and, and you just see this bony, you know, hand pointing at different things, and the last thing is, he's like, I don't look upon this grave, you know, blah, 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 and and it just urges him with the, you know, the hand, just the movements of the hand and stuff. And then he pulls back the, you know, um, the grass and stuff in front of the, in front of the gravestone. And it's, you know, it's his name and it's etched in there and, you know, and then he just breaks down in tears. I mean, it's, it's very powerful. That story in itself is very powerful in, in its own way, you know, and it's been remade so many times. I think, uh, the Muppets did a version of it. Uh, I mean, everybody everybody and their brother has done a version of it, including Bill Murray and Scrooge, which is just a, just a modern-day retelling of the same story. Okay, I'm looking at its page on Wikipedia, and, oh, the Smurfs did a Christmas special <laughs> based on Christmas Carol? Oh, I did dear. not know that. I'm not sh- I almost kind of want to go see that. So, okay, 19... 19- okay, well... 1951, there was, it was called Scrooge. Um, but anyways, uh, let's see. Yeah, is Christmas that... Carol, too. But yeah, I know they've gotten, you know, there have been different names for it. Like the Disney one was Mickey's right. Christmas Carol, and then, yeah, Scrooge. Right. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol. I know there was one with Patrick Stewart in. Um, but yes, he... that was a, that was a live action one, too. And I remember watching that one. 
and honestly being underwhelmed by it because it was like it was like going down to the theater and watching the show you know they do it locally here every year in fact i've done it a time or two here and it's always done very well but there's there's a definite difference between something that's produced for television or something like that and a show you go see at the local theater yeah you know and that's kind of the feel i got from that and i'm like it's patrick stewart it should be more to it yeah well we've talked about the classics yeah we've talked about more modern movies which maybe some they're good movies but maybe we can't quite call them classics yet because we don't know whether their popularity is going to endure for the next you know couple decades but there is of course the greatest Christmas movie of all time that we have not talking about yet. What is that? Die Hard. Die I'm, Hard is not a Christmas movie. Yes, it is. You know, I, we're, we're doing okay. video on Skype, and you guys should see this. I can see the steam pouring out of Chad's ears <laughs> when I called it a Christmas movie, and he's got the veins in his head popping out, and, and he's about to go Super Saiyan. What was what was my discourse? What was my reasoning for what makes something a Christmas movie? Is that the focus of the movie is on Christmas, correct? Yeah, Die Hard. It, uh, it, it takes place around Christmas. It does take place around Christmas, but it's not a Christmas story. Nobody exchanged gifts, unless you're talking about bullets. Uh, nobody, you know, is resurrected, so you can't go the religious route on this. It's well, just, it's we can kind of picture John McClane, though, as a savior figure, because, you know, he gave the people in that that tower the greatest gift of all their lives. He saved them from the the terrorists. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know how you're managing to do this, but I'm starting to get shit up to my ankles in my house. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just don't see it as a as a Christmas movie. I, you know, this is one of those classic arguments, and we we talked about this beforehand. And I couldn't even jokingly say that this is a Christmas movie. Well, I uh, admit it's been so long since I've seen the movie. I had to cheat and go to a you know look up Die Hard Christmas movie on the website, and there is an article I did read on MoviePhone dot com uh, that was you know, talking about why it's a Christmas movie. And I know we were talking, okay, where do you fall on it? And for me, it's like, whether I call it a Christmas movie or not, it depends on whether I'm trying to troll the person who's asking. <laughs> you know, and I just watched it not too long ago. It's been sitting, I bought it. I probably bought the damn movie three years ago and I had to take the wrapper off of it last week to watch it. Yeah. And, it it was I mean it's a great action flick. Don't get me wrong. Die Hard is a great movie. It's not a Christmas movie. See, and one of the reasons is the person who wrote the article, let me see, just yeah, so I can like, give the I, person popular I proper credit, Drew Taylor. And I would it's, love to I would love to know what Drew had to say. Okay. So the article is called Why Die Hard is the Greatest Christmas Movie Ever Made. And Okay, so some of the stuff Okay, the story doesn't really have to do with Christmas, um, but one of the reasons he says that it it's it's moralistic, kind of like it's a wonderful life, because you know we do see his this character go through this transformation where you know he's kind of this 
you know, grumpy and strange husband at the beginning of the movie, but then later he's, well, metaphysically speaking, he's reborn. You know, he starts to get reconnected with his family and what's important in life. Um, also, they were saying, kind of like, you know, Santa Claus goes down the, the chimney and gets covered with soot. Well, uh-huh. John McCain, he says, doesn't really go down, uh, you know, a chimney, but does go down that venting shaft, and he's all covered with uh, soot and stuff. And um, But I, I think the main reason they were going to that is because, okay, let's see, he travels down a chimney, or in this case, a steely multi-veined ventilation system and gets covered in soot. Um, but I, I think probably one of the reasons people like to jokingly call it a Christmas movie is because, yeah, it does uh, happen at Christmas, but it's because of that moral, it's because of that transformation that John McClane goes through, where, you know, you see that a lot in other Christmas literature. Um, well, like we were talking before about uh, the, you know, like, um, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Polar Express, um, the Year Without a Santa Claus. You have this theme of people, you know, starting to believe in stuff that they hadn't previously believed in. And I started to ramble there, so I'm not sure if I made sense or if I made a coherent thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of did. Yeah. I, I, get, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. You... I don't see it as a Christmas movie. I just, and I never will. I just can't. You know, and and that's fine. I mean, I think, of course, one of the reasons that people do, as I was saying before, one of the reasons people like to call it a Christmas movie is maybe to troll people who they want to annoy for whatever reason or another. Um, But I know I said it's been so long since I've seen the movie. I don't remember I had, like I said, I had to cheat and look up an article as to why people <laughs> think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. no, fair enough. Well, it's got to so, be. It's got to be better than the Star Wars Christmas special, right? I, I would assume so. From what I've what I've read and heard, I would have to say it is. Mm-hmm. Any closing thoughts for today's episode, Chad? No, just you know, Christmas is a time to be with family. Remember, it's a time of. Uh, of caring and sharing and giving. And, and that's what we need to remember. If you're religious, great. If there's a religious aspect of it for you, that's great. But just remember that you don't have to be religious to be a good person. Well, with that uh, said, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And uh, of course, for all our viewers, if you celebrate Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. If you uh, celebrate Hanukkah, have a Happy Hanukkah. Uh, if you celebrate Yule, the winter solstice, whatever you, yep, Kwanzaa, (laughs) Festivus. So like to wish you, well, whatever you celebrate this time of year, we hope it's happy. So with that said, like to thank you all for tuning in and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are and happy gaming. Well, we didn't talk about gaming, so Merry Christmas, Season's Greetings, Happy Holidays, whatever you want to celebrate or not celebrate. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook 
and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio. <laughs>